Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up. We're going to check in around the league after this most recent trade deadline. And before we get started that with that, let me just remind everyone that they can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. And you can subscribe to the show in the Blazers Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcast. And thanks for joining us today. So let's talk about the most recent news. It may not have been before the trade deadline, but Portland just signed Enos Cantor. How you feeling about it, Tara? So I am super shocked that it happened, and I'm also just almost as shocked at how excited I am about it. I, <laughs> I never thought I'd be like, yay, we're getting Ennis Cantor. But I don't – it just seems like kind of just a no-lose type proposition. Yeah. What do you think? I think it is definitely a no-lose proposition, and then it's possibly a very much a gain. Uh, I think I could see him even working well with Nurkic uh, if we needed a game where we needed two real bigs on the floor at the same time. Uh, I know Cantor's best friend and manager is actually from Bosnia originally. Oh, so maybe, I know that. <laughs> maybe there'll be a little connection there. But I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I know that it can mean m- less minutes for some people possibly, but headed into the playoff season, I think it is an amazing pickup. Yeah, you know, so we're recording this right before the Golden State game, and the Blazers have had a pretty tough slate of games the last couple of weeks coming out of that weird long break. Um, It's just been hard to get them into a groove. And um, one of the things that's been most concerning to me is um, the play of Zach Collins has not been what it was earlier on in the season. And, you know, I just... It's not like a knock on him. I don't think he's like bad or anything, but I just think that he um, needs more time. And I think he's going to develop into a perfectly fine player. But looking at how it's been lately, I just don't feel like he's quite ready. And um, I think that what I was hoping that the Blazers would do would be to go in and get like a plug and play big that can just go in, give you some minutes. He doesn't have to give you a ton of minutes. But when you know when he goes in, he's just going to do the basics of what needs to get done. You know, I don't want Zach Collins to lose a lot of minutes over this. I just feel like uh, he's a little outmatched by some of the big bodies that he goes up against every night. Yeah. I don't know. who Do you think that Collins or Leonard or who, where do you think the minutes are going to come from? I think the minutes are pr- – I want to say that they're going to come from Leonard – At this point, I think that this team has invested a lot in Zach's development and we've gotten to see him develop a whole lot in a short period of time. And I think they're going to they're going to keep working on that development. And I see that probably Myers is going to be losing some minutes, I would think. Well, and so also, you know, that reminds me, you know, maybe if Zach continues to play power forward alongside Mm -hmm. and as, as a center, um, because I mean, lately these last few games, they've been trying Zach out at center. And I think that's where I'm looking at him going, mm, maybe not yet. Um, but yeah. if he could reprise kind of his power forward role, um, I don't think Ennis Cantor brings, you know, the same thing that Ed Davis did no. at all. I mean, I think they're very different and, um, but I do think that maybe playing alongside him could continue his development, um, and not. You know, so rather than losing time altogether because he can't um, effectively yet do what we need at center, 
maybe mm-hmm. continue to develop uh, in that power forward slot. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what yeah. happens. Yeah, I'm, I am super excited. And I'm also excited because I feel like a lot of the more challenging matchups for us have been matchups where the team is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And I think this can help us in those situations, especially. Yeah. And, you know, Cantor's been around a long time. He's in his mm-hmm. eighth season, but he's only 26. Yeah. So um, he's, you know, in his prime, I guess, mm-hmm. is, is is what they say. I was thinking that he was older than that. But when I was checking uh-huh. into his stats, um, he is 26. Right now with the Knicks, he's averaging 14 points and 10.5 rebounds. And rebounds is something that I'm really happy to see. Yeah. Um. I mean, the Blazers are number three in rebounding, so it's not like they're bad rebounders. But um, one of the things that I feel like they lost with Ed Davis was the offensive rebounds. Yes. I just I see a lot of nights where they're in there almost getting yeah. offensive rebounds. So many tips. <laughs> so, many so many almost. Hand on the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe he can bolster them in that way too. That would be nice to see. And also off the court – He's just an interesting person. Yes. Like, he is a star on Twitter, I would say. I think a lot of people find him quite entertaining. And he's just fascinating. I think he has an intense drive. And I think that he finds – I was reading a lot about him. And I I think that he finds communities. And he kind of really adapts that – adopts that community as his own and kind of creates families where he goes. And I think Portland is a really good town – for someone who does that. Yeah, that's a, an interesting way to put it because everywhere that he was, he seemed like he was, you know, all in mm-hmm. in every place, even the Knicks, even though like towards the end of his tenure there, he wasn't getting the time that he wanted and stuff. But he like seemed like he was all in on New York while he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're right. He's a fascinating person. It, you know, his whole um, uh, background about, um, you know, being Turkish and, you know, this will give us more mm-hmm. of a chance to um, brush up some more on more international relation type <laughs> information. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Blazers are really strong in the social media game right now. I mean, they have some, they have some of the best players who aren't best because they're just like petty, you know? Um, I mean, Joel, Joel Embiid is certainly entertaining and everybody loves him, but he's also like gets a lot of attention because he's just petty and he says petty things that are funny and entertaining. Um, but I highly enjoy, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like between Evan Turner and CJ and Damien and now Ennis Cantor, I think, uh, you know, they actually have some interesting content on top of just the, you know, regular joking around stuff. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun overall. I I can't believe how excited I am about Ennis Cantor. I'm very excited. (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) I found out at work. I had this really big presentation that I did at work and I came back from it and like my phone had all these messages on it and I was like, what's going on? And they were just like, and I was like, what are you talking about? What? What? I know. I, I got the, I was in cash and carry shopping for work and, uh, uh, my husband starts texting me and he's like, please just pick up Hennis Cantor. And I was like, what, what? <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? What is going on? And he's like, you need to check Bleacher Report. I know you don't believe me. And I was like, okay, I'm going, I'm going. I, I'm so delighted. I'm so happy. <laughs> you know, the one of the uh, names that people have been throwing around to fill that final roster spot was Carmelo Anthony. And in my mind, this is a much better oh, much pickup better. <laughs> than Carmelo Anthony would have been. And, and like, I love that he picked us over the Lakers. 
I hope that's true. I don't know if I hope just, it's true, like, but trying to like stick it to the Lakers like one more time. <laughs> but I'll take it if it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still better from those uh those uh playoff years. Oh yeah. Still can't stand Kobe, so you know. Uh, yeah. Well, so that is the exciting thing that is going on in Portland right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it has to do with well, is the buyout market. You know, obviously the trade deadline just passed. And um, so we've got uh, go ahead and move into the next section of the podcast. Um, the the Blazers have also added, of course, Rodney Hood. And so we got a chance to or so I uh, talked to Diana Allen of SLC Dunks. She you know, writes for the uh, blog for the Utah Jazz, which is where he started his career. Had a really fun and interesting conversation with her about him and his time there. She really, really liked him and uh, thinks that we're going to be really happy with Rodney Hood. And how do you feel about how he's been fitting in so far? I'm liking it. I like the fit. I think he's extremely motivated and wants to be here. And that's the kind of player I want to watch here. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. I feel the same way. I think he's, um, you know, just uh, fit right in and, you know, so far so good. So let's go ahead and listen to my talk with Diana Allen. Diana, thank you so much for joining us on Women's Hoops and Talks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, since you are a uh, first-time guest on the show, could you start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about how you came to uh, cover the Utah Jazz? Yeah, yeah. So, oh my goodness, I've been writing about the jazz for about eight eight years now, maybe ten. It's been quite a while. I've been a jazz fan since I was about ten years old, and I remember coming home from a field trip. It was a night field trip for some reason, and my dad was watching a jazz game, and it just looked interesting to me, and I said, Dad, what is this? And he told me it was the jazz, and I asked how basketball worked basically and he said you see that little guy right there meaning John Stockton and I said yes and he said watch him and he'll throw the ball to that big guy meaning Carl Malone and he said that is all you need to know about jazz basketball and so for years and years that's all I needed to know about the jazz um then when I was uh, married with young kids I well I, I always continued to watch the jazz but even more so when Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer was on the team. And I just felt like, oh my goodness, I'm spending all this time watching the jazz. I want to do more. And so um, at the time, the Utah, utahjazz.com had uh, like fan bloggers. And so I, I applied to be one of their flam, uh, fan bloggers for their site. And as the homemaker <laughs> um, viewpoint, I got it. And so I wrote for Jazz, it was called Jazzbots. I wrote for them for a few years. And then um, SLC Dunk, which is part of SB Nation, asked me to write for them about five years ago. And I've been there ever since. Wow, you might be one of the, well, we, we had Ann Peterson who writes for the AP and she's been doing it for like 20 years. But you were one of the longer tenured um, bloggers, at least SB Nation ones that we've met so far. That's That's really cool. Yeah, it's been tons of fun. I love SLC Dunk. It's just such a unique unique voice for the jazz and gives such good perspective. We have great writers over there. It's fun to be a part of them. 
When you first started writing, what kinds of uh, art did did you do? You know, game recaps. Did you do um, you know previews, or did you do something else entirely? So when I first started writing, it was mainly game recaps. Um, but then, as social media started to pick out pick up, it was fun to get to the personal side of the players, and so just picking stories about what they would show on Twitter and Instagram and bringing a personal voice into our uh, the jazz and a little more personality about yeah, from, from the players yeah. themselves mm-hmm. and I like to write with emotion um, most of our writers at SLC dunk now are all about analytics and numbers which is wonderful like that that's where basketball is at and um, I try to bring a more personal side emotional side I, I'm very emotional about the jazz so most of my posts <laughs> Or about that, how I feel during the game or how I feel about certain players or movements or non-movements. And um, I so can totally relate. <laughs> I just ate way too much pizza because the Blazers got just totally destroyed by OKC tonight. And I ate way too much pizza, so I can totally oh, relate. <laughs> yes, I have been there many times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's well, me. The Blazers just traded for Rodney Hood, who was uh, with Cleveland. But previous to that, he had uh, like three and a half years at Utah. So I wanted to reach out and find out what we could learn about Rodney Hood, what you remember about his time there. All right. So we loved Rodney Hood. (laughs) We thought that when Gordon Hayward left, that he would be the star. Um, But before that, when he was drafted, we were super excited. We thought we were getting the best player that we could for so far down in the draft. We were way excited. And um, I remember during his draft interview that he just broke down and he nearly started to cry. He was just so overwhelmed with emotion. And he talked about how he couldn't believe that someone from Meridian, Mississippi, the small town of Meridian, Mississippi, got that far to be able to be drafted into the NBA. And from that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this guy. Because he really wants to be here. And um, it was just so touching. And Rodney, oh, he, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. You guys are really lucky to have him. I was sad when we traded him. I knew it had to happen to make way for Donovan Mitchell. But you guys are lucky. And I think his role with you will be more appropriate. Um, he had some big games with us, which I think led the... Dennis Lindsay and uh, Quinn Snyder to believe that he could be the guy when Gordon Hayward left because he had game winners for us. He had this one game winner against Dallas that all jazz fans remember. And he had this little shimmy afterwards and, oh my gosh, you just love him. And then when we played the Clippers in the playoffs a few years ago, he stepped up big when um, there was a game that Gordon Hayward was sick and only played a few minutes and left the game. And Rodney stepped up big and hit some big three pointers to help us beat the Clippers and um, so we thought that he could be the guy. It sounds like that uh, Donovan Mitchell maybe came on faster than people were expecting and uh, to, had a bigger role faster than um, people thought that he would. And oh, yeah. So he kind of replaced Rodney. Is that what happened? Yeah. So the summer um, that Gordon left was an awful summer <laughs> for jazz mm-hmm. fans. Personally, I was glad. I, I was never a fan of Gordon Hayward. Really? Why? Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Okay. Did you think he was uh, overrated or something? He was so overrated. He was just so fake. Like everything was just manicured. Like it was he was just awful. Like he his, he showed no emotion 
And you could tell that it was just a job for him, that he didn't love the team. This is my perspective, obviously. I, I don't know. But that he just was doing it for a job. There wasn't the love for the team and the teammates. I mean, if you go on YouTube and find a video called Where's Gordo? It's him, like, during interactions. You know how players get up with each other and fight. And every single one, Gordon just backs off and slowly backs away. And he is never standing up for his teammates. And that video is hilarious. So I recommend it to anyone. <laughs> That's a good extra little tidbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he, I just never felt like he wanted to be there. And I felt like he was overrated. The system that Quinn built was for him. And that's how he got his stats. And we see that in Boston, right? I mean, yes, he had that injury and that was horrific. And I was sad and um, that he missed a year and it's taking him time to come back. But when the system's not built around him, he's a good role player. He, I don't think he can be the star of a team. And Utah was desperate for a star at that point because we didn't have anything. And so they built it in Gordon Hayward. But, oh, my gosh, like. He would be there for two quarters of a game, so his numbers would look nice, but he didn't really lead us anywhere. It took getting Joe Johnson and some other vets, um, Forrest Diaw, to get us to the playoffs that final year um, before Gordon left. And yes, so that's my opinion on Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> so after he left, then Rodney Hood seemed like he was ready to step into a more a bigger role. Absolutely, and that's what the Jazz advertised um, the entire summer. And talked talked about it, like on local radio and on the blogs. And it, it was going to be Rodney Hood now. He was going to be our star. But then along came Donovan Mitchell. And he, oh my gosh, just a few months into his rookie year, just took over. And it was apparent that he was the player that we needed. And there was just no room for Rodney anymore. Now, do you remember how Rodney and uh, Gobert played together? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. was Gobert injured a lot? Was that when? I can't remember so, now. So the year, uh, so the Donovan's rookie year, Gobert's had some, yes, he's missed time um, almost every year with injuries. Not this year, knock on wood. <laughs> um, but yes, so they played well together. Um, the pick and roll, uh, Gobert sets amazing screens and he also rolls really well. And so, yeah, yeah, they played great together. Um, uh, Gobert was injured Rodney's last year with us and missed significant time at two different times during the season. One time he missed 16 games and um, and then the Jazz went on that historic run of going 29 and six to finish the season once he was healthy. But they played really well. So he does play well with with big guys. And um, what were what were some of the things that you saw him get better at a lot while well, when he when he first came to when he departed uh at Rodney Hood when yeah. when he was with us before he yeah departed. just like what was some of the growth that you saw in Rodney Hood while he was with you so I feel like Rodney's a great system player and um he he grew to be consistent like it seemed like his first couple years with us it was either all or nothing. Like he one night could hit five threes out of six and, you know, score 20 points like that. And then the next night he would just disappear. It would just be one of eight. And 
he didn't have that consistency. But um, in his later years with us, he was a little more consistent as long as as long as it was a system. He couldn't really be the guy. Um, a lot of uh, of our SLC dunk riders um, like to compare him to Jamal Crawford, but without the foul drawing. But he plays a lot like him. And um, he's not he, he's a pretty good defender, again, like within the system, but um, not always so great one on one. But when he's hot, there's nothing better. Like it's so fun when when he's hitting from three, he gets excited. The team gets excited. It, it, it's awesome when he when he is on. Well, and from what we've seen of him so far, what one of the things I really like, he's a really confident shooter. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. he does not hesitate. And that's one of my pet peeves is uh, guys who are out there and who hesitate. Uh, and he just, no hesitation. <laughs> he, no. He'll, and he'll turn around and do a sp- spin or a twist. But, you know, if he gets the ball and he's got enough space, he is shooting that thing. Yes, absolutely. And that was nice because you do see that with players and it breaks down the offense and but Rodney doesn't. If he's open and he can, he'll shoot it. And he has great confidence. And like I mentioned, like that game winner with the little shimmy. And um, a nice side story about Rodney Hood is his favorite player when he was young was Joe Johnson. And there's this picture of uh, Rodney when he was a kid with Joe Johnson. And so when we had both on the team, it was just really nice that he got to play with his favorite player and um, Joe Johnson hit a game winner uh, for the first game that we played against the Clippers in the playoff. It was a huge shot. And the first person that gave him a hug was Rodney Hood. And it was just the cutest thing. He went running across the court, jumped into his arm, and they just hugged. And um, it, was, it was so beautiful because Rodney just loved Joe Johnson as a kid. So for them to be able to share that moment on the court together, it's, it's probably my favorite Rodney Hood memory of when he was with the Jazz. But he was good with fans. Everything that I heard, he was really good with fans. He wasn't one of those grouchy players that turned them away. He was always really kind, especially to kids. Yeah, and we hear that uh, he has a young family. Yeah, we, yeah. We had Ed Davis on uh, the Blazers, and he had just had twins. And so when he left, we were sad because we joked that, you know, the the um, the junior Blazer team had lost two important uh, oh, yeah. role players or two important right. players. And now we have two more. So yeah, was, yeah. There's right. a lot of babies on the team right now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I know. I love when we have little babies. I love when the players have kids. <laughs> I know. I know that really doesn't contribute much to their game. Maybe it does. I don't know. Sometimes but, it does. We used to joke with Memo Okor. I don't know if you remember him, but when he was on the Jazz, when his wife was pregnant, he was horrible. But when, like, as soon as she had that baby, like, he would go on this hot streak. And so it was like this huge joke among Jazz fans, like, no, don't get your wife pregnant, Memo. <laughs> <laughs> Not till the season's over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, that's fine. Well, do you have any other, uh, memories or anything else you want to tell us about Rodney Hood, the, uh, to help us figure out, you know, how to, how to make him feel welcome, help uh, make him fit in and what to watch for? I, we just really enjoyed him. And I think the Blazers is a, a perfect spot for him because he obviously doesn't have to be the guy and he doesn't even have to be the third guy. Like he just can come in off the bench and, I think that's a perfect role for him. He tends to have nerves, like 
there there was a lot of games where he would leave because of stomach issues. Oh, really? Because <laughs> of nerves. Like, he would have to he, <laughs> go to the bathroom. himself. <laughs> yeah, excuse himself. Actually, the first game of uh, after Gordon left and he was ready to start, and then all of a sudden he was just gone. And so Donovan actually started his first, <laughs> the first game of that season because of Rodney's issues. And then he came back, you know, midway through the first. And so he's a, he's a little emotional and gets nervous, but I love that. It, it just shows that he cares. And um, he, he's a great guy on and off the court. And I'm just so happy that he's out of Cleveland and can be on a playoff team and a good team. Like, I like the Blazers. It's nice that they're another small market team like the Jazz that's consistently do they do well they do well so it's good to have kind of that partner team <laughs> yeah he seems like he's gonna be a real good fit he's played a, at least 20 minutes every night um all three nights he's come in and shot extremely well and uh, i can't remember exactly what the stats are but um they were quite high um percentage wise and just like i said with confidence and he also plays in a slightly different area of the floor than our other shooters which is nice um so you know we have evan turner who can really handle the ball and he distributes a lot but he doesn't shoot well from three he shoots well from um from the block so in on the one hand he and both he and rodney can back people down on the block but then rodney can also pop out farther and also all the way out to the three-point line and shoot it in and then like later Damon is really good from the corners or the very top and, you know, Hood kind of likes those little angled areas. So it's kind of cool how they complement each other. And um, I hope he'll be happy here. You know, I, yeah, hope, I, I hope it works out. Um, I think like he can guy. win some games like he can get hot and, and win you some games. And I hope he's able to do that for you guys. Well, tonight was not the I mean, night. Not against that. Not against that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <But> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, sorry about your loss tonight. We, uh, we had those sinkers and yeah. against Oklahoma City. I hate that arena just because of that. Oh, but. my gosh. You know what? I tweeted out that it was like being in the Thunderdome, and I didn't even think about the fact that it was the Thunder. But, oh, but it was just like I, it was so listening to the broadcast. It was so loud and so intense. And I could just like picture, you know, from that movie, you know, all the people like hanging from the stands and throwing <laughs> totally. things. And I was just, it was just a really hostile environment. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for your time, Diana. Now, can you tell uh, folks how they can find your work? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter um, at Diana Allen, D-I-A-N-A-A-L-L. E-N, and I write for SLC Dunk, which is a part of SB Nation. So I'd love for you guys to come read my stuff. We also had the chance to talk to China, who writes for the next blog, Posting and Toasting. And we got to talk to Rebecca, the editor-in-chief for Mavs Moneyball, to talk about the big trade that went down between the Knicks and the Mavericks watching the unicorn leave New York City and head to Dallas and watching Wesley Matthews make his way to the Knicks to then leave again. So we got a chance to talk to them and let's listen in on that interview. Tina, welcome back to Women's Hoops and Talks. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to have you. You know, when I... Uh, found out that the Knicks had traded Kristaps Porzingis, one of my thirds, first thoughts turned to you to find <laughs> out 
I am really curious what the reaction in New York was. Was it a shock or did people see you, this coming? You know, it's actually it's really interesting because it was it was it was a total shock and and um the it happened so quickly. I mean, it, it, we were all sitting around in the afternoon, and then I mean, it was a week before the trade deadline, and we weren't even expecting things like this, right? It was everybody was still talking about Anthony Davis, uh, even back then, still forever. Yeah. But um, as they will be for the next, <laughs> it's our lives <laughs> six now. Six months. But um, but yeah, and, and and then these little rumors started sprinkling across like the the transom about uh, you know. They had this meeting and they thought like, oh, this is happening. And then a couple of tweets later, it was Nick's brass had the opinion that KP wanted to be traded. And then like four minutes later, it was like they're exploring trades. And then five minutes after that, it was like they might trade with the Mavs. And then maybe 30 minutes after that, it's like he's gone. Yeah. It, and we were all like fast. <laughs> And the you know and the our, the editor of our blog posting and toasting Joe was at the dentist I think when this was all happening, so we were all on our on Slack being like Joe, what's going? We need you. What's and we were all like, yeah. Um. So there was so I think a lot of the reaction was just shock. Um. If you go back and look at things in like the sober light of day, you can see that there were signs. I mean, it's kind of like when you break up with somebody and you're like, what happened? And then you go back and you're like, oh, right, when I ran over their dog, maybe that was an issue. But um, it, so in retrospect, they were totally signs. Um, he infamously skipped his end of season meeting debriefing with Phil Jackson that was like, um, like two years ago, right? I know, after two, but like so, they've been simmering for a while. Then, and so it's it's, and there were just like little tiny rumors every once in a while from like the beats writers about like this he's unhappy about this or something, and he there was some contract situation last season where they didn't sign an extension for something or other because it would save them money for something else, and but everybody's like, oh, but it, it's okay, it's not a big deal, everything's gonna be fine. And so nobody really thought about it because it was just an unthinkable thing, right? I mean, why would you trade him? It's crazy. Um, but then I think other than the shock, it was like – so the surprise and like the – just the weirdness of it would just like took everybody over. But then as the details of the trade came out, we were all like, eh. and, and it was always a joke because our guard, Frank Nilakina, um, we took over Dennis Smith Jr. And so there's been a healthy debate in the Knicks fandom about who's the better person and or better player. I don't know about person. That was weird. But um, and so it's funny that we have both of them now. Um, so the, so as details of the trade came out, people were becoming a little bit more positive. And then uh, when we found out that there were two first-round picks, and when we found out that one of them was unprotected, it was like, oh, actually, this actually isn't a bad trade at all. Cool. So let's talk about the, the details of the trade. Um, so uh, let's see. Kristaps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke. Trey Burke. All mm -hmm. went to Dallas, and in yes. return, two Michigan guys right there: Courtney Lee and Trey Burke, or Hardaway, uh, Hardaway, and Hardaway. Burke. Okay, uh, and then Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., and those two first-round picks mm -hmm. came to the Knicks. Wesley was waived, waived, and he's been picked up by the Pacers. We wish him luck. 
And yeah, so do we in Portland. We still miss him. He had a glorious two game career with the Knicks where he shot like two for 30 or something like that. But he wore the ninja headband, so he'll live forever. Yeah. And he shot with all his heart. That's the yes, other thing did. about him. <laughs> so DeAndre Jordan, it looks like he's there at least for the, he's there for the end of the year, right? Because he yeah, has an expiring like. contract. Mm-hmm. And then Dennis Smith Jr., he is still on his rookie contract. So I imagine he'll be there. So yeah, what is the, what's the story? What's the dialogue? What are people thinking is the plan? You know, um, I think that the original plan was to maybe keep Dennis Smith Jr., see how he works out. Um, and then, I mean, because he is kind of a upgrade to the point guard position for us at this point. Um, and then, you know, we were assuming we were just going to dump DeAndre um, at the end of the year. And, of course, part of the whole great part about this is all the glorious cap space that we have now, like $75 million or something. But... Uh, it does look so far like DeAndre Jordan has been kind of awesome, not in terms of playing, but just in terms of like camaraderie and team spirit and the all locker room presence thing. Um, and that's something that they're really needing right now because they've lost 17 games in a row. <laughs> so a guy who keeps them up is important. But also he's um, he's looking like a really good mentor for um, Mitch Robinson, who's our young center, who is like wildly talented, but completely raw. So to have somebody who centers him and teaches him sort of like how to be a great defensive presence and stuff like that. So they are saying that they may keep him around next year. I think they can get some kind of exception, like a $5 million exception for him or something. Um, And then um, the two picks i believe are supposed to come in 2021 and 23 i'm not entirely sure the first one is clear they're not this year's pick no um but i believe that the first one is completely unprotected and then the next one is not um so yeah so we don't really know i mean and and it's it's an open bet what's going to happen with the Mavs, of course, at that point, um, will Kristaps sign with them again? Will he? Who knows? So, so we don't it, know what kind of pick it's going to be. It'll be fun. Was he missed a lot this year? Or well, I mean, was, things. Yeah, you know, I, I, it does again feel a little bit like that whole like ex boyfriend situation, and you want to be careful because you don't want to act like some thing. Like, <laughs> I never liked him to begin with. Um, because it just makes you sound worse, right? Uh, but I think that for the most part, people have come around to being pretty okay with him being gone. I mean, it seems crazy. It's only been a week and a half or so, but almost everybody who I talk to, they say, you know, when we lost Jeremy Lin, that was like way more heartbreaking. (laughs) And, um, and just in general, Kristaps was not as gracious on his way out as you could necessarily always hope for. Um, uh, You know, he sort of posted some questionable Instagram, kind of like him and Luca being all cute and buddy-buddy before he ever said anything like, hey, thanks to the Knicks fans kind of stuff, and people took that kind of hard, and... There's just some weird stuff with his brother. So it's all a little bit strange. And 
we don't know exactly what happened, but it sounds for the most part like he did indicate that he didn't really want to stick around. Um, and he didn't like the direction the organization was going, and that's a little bit weird because the organization was going in the direction it was going because you were out all year. So <laughs> that wasn't the plan, but you were out for a year. So what did you want them to do? Win without you? You want to be the franchise player, but you also want them to win without you? It doesn't really make sense to me. We have a really, really sweet young core of rookies and young guys, and we're hoping that we get to keep some of them. I mean, I, look, if we can trade for, like, Anthony Davis, we can trade for Anthony Davis, right? But I kind of hope these guys stick around. It's fun to watch them even as they lose game after yeah. game. That's, I mean, that's all you can ask for, right? If they're uh, – and, I mean, they, they're they in the – in a good position for uh, getting one of those top three picks anyway. <laughs> you look, the Knicks have finally learned how to tank in the year that, you know, tanking hard doesn't make as much doesn't of a difference work anymore. <laughs> it's, it's Nick's going to Nick. But yeah, I, I honestly think that to sum up the whole Przingis thing though, is that surprisingly like against all odds and against what I would have thought in like the first six hours, people are totally okay with it. Like they understand what the organization is doing. They are appreciative of the cap space. They are kind of soured on Porzingis since you know, the kind of, we're a little bit machismo here. So it's like, you couldn't handle it in New York. All right. We don't want you anyway. But, if, you know, but there is a certain amount of that. Like if he couldn't quite take the pressure, if this wasn't like the right environment for him, well then maybe we don't want him. So I think it, it's 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 an interesting thing, and a lot of what you saw initially was like, oh, Knicks fans are all killing themselves over this. But I think it really has evolved into a place of being like, yeah, all right, this is going to be fine. It depends what happens. It depends whether we get some of these big name free agents. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, what's it uh, if Kevin Durant does not come to the Knicks? How will people look at this? Do you think they might sour on the Knicks having let him get away or traded him away? You know. I think we'd have to go through all of free agency and all of the draft and stuff like that before we can really make that determination. And I also think that there's at least enough people who have been burned by the Knicks just going for like spending whatever money they can to get whatever splash they can, that if they can't make a big splash this summer are willing to let them just like hold on to the money they have and wait till the next time they can. And be patient. Like, we don't have to go crazy. So I think there is a certain amount of understanding of that kind of concept. Nonetheless, people want, you know, fun stuff here. And people want shiny things. And they want to, like, rally around something. So I don't know what will happen if they strike out in free agency. You know, I want Kevin Durant. He's one of the one or two best players in the game. You'd be crazy not to want him. I'm not convinced he'd be a great personality fit in New York. Um, I think a lot of the top guys who we're looking for, I don't think Kyrie would necessarily be a great personality fit in New York. And so that is a real concern. It's a really hard thing to play here. You know, it's tough. Yeah. The, and the personalities who are on, um, who were free agents this year, I hadn't really thought about it, but they're not a bunch of real gregarious 
type personalities. No, like Kyrie. No, it's it's a terrible Kevin group Durant. To be yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of guys who you know would want to take the town by, or you know, who had that personality yeah. that you think of as like really taking no, you the town can't by have storm. Skin. Um, but on the other hand, all these guys that we've have this history of bringing back these guys were like, yeah, New York, like, you know, Meta and, um, and like Noah, Joaquin Noah, and it just turned out to be a nightmare. So you never really know. <laughs> um, maybe like KD would come here and he would like discover his inner assassin and be like, oh yeah, I don't know. Or maybe he would come here and within like three months be in like an internal feud with the media and like be driven out in a year. <laughs> well, Any we of these shall things. see. Either I know either of those seem seem <laughs> equally. Actually, I think one of them seems a little bit more likely than the other. <laughs> but I don't know him personally, so um, I uh, I <laughs> well, wish he may you... be opening up a fake Twitter account yeah. to answer you right now. <laughs> I'll look for the one that has all the numbers behind it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time to sure. uh, tell me how things are going around there. I was we're feeling good. We're all right here over in Nick's land. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've got. Um, even though they're not winning, they uh, at right, least that, have... that's kind of bummer. <laughs> yeah, but you have some guys at least you can you know get behind, right? Yeah, we're still watching games. We're still enjoying. It. We love our young guys. Well, uh, before you go, you want to tell people um, where they can read your work. Oh, yeah. I'm Chiniqua. Uh, you can find me at Twitter on at Chiniqua, C-H-I-N-I-Q-U-A. And uh, I write on posting and toasting every once in a while, which is the Nick's blog. So there we are. Come awesome. check us out. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. How are you doing? I'm great, Cassidy. Thanks for having me. How did the trade unfold on uh, for you all in as Dallas fans, because I think the rest of the league was kind of focused on Anthony Davis going somewhere, and then all of a sudden we all get an alert saying, Porzingis going to Dallas. Yeah, so it's it's the Mavs have a knack of doing that. <laughs> they are, um, they're very good. They're a very tight-lipped front office, and so you generally don't know things are going on until they actually happen, which is kind of fun from a covering the team perspective, because there's just no buildup. It's just you find out about something and you go, go, go. Um, but it was it was actually really crazy. I was working from home that day, and suddenly one of my one of my other editors sends me a message. You know, sends me a tweet like Porzingis in discussions to go to Dallas, and I was like, wait, what? Wasn't he just like in a trade demand earlier today? Like I didn't even pay attention to it because I didn't even think that Dallas would be a team that had a shot at something like that. But I should have known because Dallas historically they're not a free agent destination. They don't draft well, other than you know Luca. But they have traditionally been very, very good at executing these kinds of trades. And Donnie Nelson is an amazing general manager um, who just comes up with these things somehow. And it's it's just crazy. So I was working from home. My editor sent me the message. And of course, I jumped up and my initial reaction was just shock. I was like, wait, what? Where did this even come from? The trade demand was just made this morning. How was Dallas even on any kind of list of people that would be considered? So we, you know, we just jumped into it, but it was, it was a shock, but it was obviously a very welcome shock because, you know, the contracts that went back to the Knicks and the trade were, you know, deals like Wes Matthews, who was expiring, um, you know, players who, and, and DeAndre Jordan, who was also expiring on a big mm -hmm. contract. So players that weren't going to be on the Mavericks next year anyway, and to get back, a superstar in Porzingis, a top 15 player in the league when he's healthy. I mean, that's just, 
And then to pair with Luca, it's, I think we were all in shock for a few days and maybe still are because, of course, he hasn't played yet. So, And do you, do you, have they released a timetable about when he was going to play? Is that next season? Um, I think the, the plan is for him to play next season, yes. They're not going to rush his rehab. Uh, Dallas has an amazing medical staff, the amazing training staff. It's probably top two in the league up there with Phoenix. And so they will look to slow his rehab I think there's a chance that he might play a game at the end of the season here just to kind of get the season ticket holders excited. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they just don't rush the rehab and allow him to take his time, get used to the team and have a full training camp with the team before he starts. And you you all got a few other pretty good players in that deal. Um, Are they all sticking around? Well, the contracts that we got back are very interesting. So it will be very interesting to see what happens with those players as next season, as this season really, and next season progresses. So Tim Hardaway Jr. is a big heart, big contract for us to take back. But of course, we would have had, you know, we were going to have Harrison Barnes on the book before that, you know, went to the Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big contract to take back. So he has a chance to definitely earn some minutes. He's a player who gives us some depth in a few areas that we really needed it. So I think he will have a chance to earn a spot in the rotation. And certainly, you know, for the rest of the season, these are the players that we've got. So we really have to do role with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Courtney Lee is another interesting guy who, again, just some depth at some positions that, you know, he'll have the chance to earn some minutes as well. Rick Carlisle is a big guy on earning minutes. Um, he's not afraid to pull players who are making mistakes. He's not afraid to restrict minutes to players that he's not in fa- they're not in his favor in any given game. Mm-hmm. So I will be very interested to see how some of these new guys fit into the rotation and how they, you know, whether they end up sticking around or whether they end up being a trade chip later on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How has the fan base reacted to the trade? Has everybody been kind of as surprised? As is everybody kind of excited and surprised about it? Everyone's in shock, I think, still. It's <laughs> it's really hard. Well, and part of it is because he hasn't played yet. So in theory, it's this big thing that's like yeah. in theory, Dirk retires this offseason. Mm-hmm. We have Luca, we have Porzingis, the Mavericks are instant playoff contenders for however long that playoff window lasts while the two of them are still young and, you know, doing, you know, playing perfect pick and roll basketball for hopefully years to come. But it's all in theory. We haven't actually seen it happen yet. Of course, there's always the Porzingis injury risk with a guy, his, his, of his build and his injury history. So it's a big gamble that he's going to stay healthy, but if he stays healthy in theory, he is the perfect complement to Luca's game. Whereas some of the players who were there before in Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan, who just didn't even try this season, my Lord, they were just, they were unengaged. They were older. They were just not fitting in. And, you know, to bring things back to kind of what we were talking about with the Anthony Davis trade rumors flying around that morning of that trade, the Mavericks essentially are doing for Luca what the Pelicans never did for Anthony Davis. They see the potential in their young superstar and they're not wasting time in finding talent to fit around him. And so that's that's one thing that I think makes us very relieved that, you know, there is the potential for him to not only stay here, you know, stay here, but stay here long term the way Dirk did. And so do you think you think this is the last year for Dirk? I do. I really do. I said that a number of years in a row. And, and Dirk has always been very coy about, well, maybe I'll come back and if I'm feeling good and, you know, all that stuff. 
this year he he says some of the same things, but he's also, you know, I don't know if you've caught any Mavs games this year, but he's he's very much doing the farewell tour type yeah. thing. He's coming in for two minutes at the end of every game. You know, they're giving him some ceremonial shots. Everyone in the crowd is is giving him the these great standing ovations. He's you know doing things like saying goodbye to training staffs in different arenas and and you know workers in different arenas. Like if this, I think he said something to the Knicks guys at Madison Square Garden. Like if this is the last time I see you, it's been great. So I I, I just don't see any way he comes yeah. back next year. It's it's this this is his subtle farewell tour, and I I don't think it's even that subtle at this point. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Because it feels like he has such a special relationship with that organization that do you think there's a chance he comes back as a coach and works with the new young talent? Yeah. So actually, it's interesting. He's going to be part of the All-Star Weekend festivities here soon. He's going to be coaching the Rising Stars game you know, that Luca will be playing in. So that's going to be a very fun dynamic for us to especially for us to cover, but just for the players in general. Um, he is good friends with and, you know, is kind of Kristaps Porzingis's idol. And I really see him continuing to be involved in the organization for a number of years to come. Um, he's said that once he does retire, he wants to take some time off and travel. He's from Germany. His wife is from Sweden. You know, they have three young kids. And so I know he wants to take some time off and be a dad and travel a little bit. But I think he will continue to be involved in the organization in some capacity or another, kind of doing the Tim Duncan thing where he just kind of shows up when he feels like it for a while and takes an unofficial role in the organization. And then later on, when he's done with his world travels and vacations and maybe when his kids get older, setting it, settling into some kind of official role with the team. Yeah, I think it would be really fun to see what kind of perspective he could bring, especially with the porzingis uh relationship, because yeah. it feels similar to things that he's been a part of in his career. Yeah. Well, and he's also, he, so he's got the, the perspective of being, you know, the greatest, probably the greatest European player who's ever played the game. And so that's a very interesting perspective. He's also just got the perspective of having been with the Mavericks for that long of a time. So he'll really be our greatest cheerleader in trying to keep these guys here long-term. If that ends up being what we want, assuming again, assuming everything works out, you know, mechanics wise and injury wise and all those kinds of things. And he's just, he's just such a wonderful ambassador for the city of Dallas. So I'm, you know, I'm really excited to have his perspective. I'm excited to have him continue to be involved with the organization and, you know, very excited for the future with him either, whether he's involved or not. I mean, I think it's going to be, it's amazing what they've managed to do to move forward from Dirk while we're still being able to honor, honor him and everything he's brought to the organization in this last season. Yeah, it's really, I feel like it's, a luxury for a team to go through that period, that grace period without there being kind of a lull. And it feels like you may be in luck for that not to happen. And so that's kind of exciting. I feel like just for the NBA, because it's going to be fun basketball to watch if everything works out. It definitely will be. And, you know, we've had a lull for the last couple of years. I mean, Dirk's Mm -hmm. been playing, but it's, they've not been easy it's not been an easy several years since the championship. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know it's nice for us to be able to say we had a championship, but that was almost seven years ago. And that's not something Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban doesn't settle for mediocre. So, you know, the organization (laughs) does tend to swing for the fences in these trades, you know, the Rondo trade and the, um, God, who am I forgetting? Nerland's Noel, because he's unfortunately very forgettable. Um, but yeah, you know, they swing for the fences in these big trades, and sometimes they work out, and sometimes they don't. But I, I, it's fun to be a fan of a team that takes these kinds of risks, whether they work out or not. 
And it's it's fun to blog about a team that takes these kind of risks because Cuban never leaves us without material for too long. Yeah, I think there are a lot of Blazer fans that are jealous of some of those risks. <laughs> uh, there's pros and cons. It's it's probably nice to be a fan of a team that, you know, is just pretty stable from year to year. <laughs> I feel like we have a complete roster overhaul minus Dirk almost every year for the last several years. Gets hard to keep track of. Yeah, definitely has its perks. Yeah. Um, well, I'm wondering, how can people find you uh, to follow all your basketball takes? Sure. Well, so the the website is MavsMoneyBall.com, and we have a wonderful staff of writers who covers everything, you know, every day from you know the new guys to the old guys. We have a we have some wonderful features coming out, an amazing feature coming out on Harrison Barnes in a few days, and all of his work in the community. So I hope everyone will come visit and check that out. And if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Becca After Six, and uh, yeah, that's how you can find us. So it was great talking with Chena and Rebecca about things going around the league right now and I'm really excited to watch what happens from this point on with those teams. I think after the trade deadline we're also focused on our own teams or maybe the big trade we expect and it's fun to take a a look back and kind of see what actually happened and what kind of changes are going to be made so we'll have to watch out for everything they were talking about. I know. I really enjoy talking to people from other fan bases because we get so down deep into mm-hmm. ours and what happened or what didn't happen uh, that we kind of lose sight of where we are in the big picture. So I always enjoy a chance to hear somebody like hear how somebody else is feeling about something, <laughs> whether or not it's good or whether or not they're like, oh, God, you know, just to give us a, a little context for, you know, what's going on in our own backyard. Um, well, anyway, yeah, that was really awesome to talk to everyone. And of course, it was great to hear such good things from Diana about Rodney. I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of the year that he has here. Um, I wonder if he, like all the other trailblazers, is going to start drinking a lot of coffee. I sure hope so. <laughs> what do you have for us this week for coffee talk? Well, I don't have one yet perfect for Rodney Hood, but... This week, I made my way over to Dapper and Wise, and I tried some of their different espressos that they had going, and I found one that was perfect for a specific blazer. I'd say that the flavors were kind of an orange, creamsicle, caramel, candy taste, but the prominent flavor in it was hops. Who's got hops on the blazers? Mad hops go to Jake Lehman. So this was definitely one of the more interesting coffees I have ever had. It was almost like a beer and a coffee had a baby, and it was amazing. (laughs) And uh I would say that this mad hoppy coffee, the Ethiopian bomb from Dapper and Wise is perfect for Jake Lehman. I love it. I want to go try it. I actually am not a big beer fan. so I'm not I sure am not the, either. I'm not sure how the hops are going to go over, but just because you picked it out just for Jake Lehman, who is my all-star. Um, well, I mean, obviously Damien is, but I think um, Jake Lehman is just playing amazing and out of his mind, and I'm so happy. So I will go seek that out and, and drink that in honor of Jake Lehman. Yes. They also have a specialty drink there called the Honey Bear, and it kind of reminded me of the time that we that you and Dan talked, and he referred to Nurkic's Drunk Grizzly Bear. 
So I tried that one too, just to cover all my bases for blazer coffee related items. The things that you do for this podcast, Cassidy, it yeah. warms my heart. I drink a whole lot of coffee. Well, before we sign off, I want to remind everyone that there are still tickets available to purchase for Blazer's Edge Night. Every year, Blazer's Edge donates thousands of tickets to local students and their chaperones to come and watch a game together. This, this year, that game is against the Brooklyn Nets in March. And so the kids will get treated to being able to see three former Blazers <laughs> that night. Um, <laughs> it's real easy to purchase tickets to Blazer's Edge. Pretty much all of the articles on Blazer's Edge right now at the bottom of them have links and instructions. Um, you'll purchase the tickets using a special code and those tickets will be sent directly to Will Call and uh, Blazers will hand, there's a, uh, a ticket agent who handles the disbursement of them for us. So all you have to do is go on there, buy a couple tickets, um, and everything else will be taken care of and some kids will get to go see the game. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like what you heard, once again, you can find all our episodes on the Blazer's Edge podcast feed. So go ahead and search for Blazer's Edge. That's two words on your favorite podcast um, app. And go ahead and subscribe. You can follow the podcast at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. And you can find me at Cassidy Gamet on Twitter. And Tara is at TC Biggs. And it, my name, my Twitter handle is weird. It's T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S. I should have made it something easier. <laughs> but it's got two Bs and two Gs. Or you, can also, you can also just like type in Team Mom and that will probably uh, pick it up as well. Anyway, listeners, we would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think about the show. Let us know if there's any women that you know of who we should talk to or anybody that uh, any questions that you'd like us to investigate. We are having a great time um, talking to women all over the league. So we'd love your ideas and suggestions. You can tweet at us or you can email us at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. <laughs> Go ahead and find us and we will catch you next time.